African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. In the headlines, Al-Shabaab militants kill 43 people in an attack on an Ethiopian base in Somalia. Suspected Ugandan rebels kidnap about 100 people in the Northeastern Democratic Republic of Congo and South African Human Rights Commission to engage with political parties following the escalation of political killings. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musa. Somali militant group Al-Shabaab says it killed 43 soldiers in an attack on a base of Ethiopian troops serving with the African Union's Emisom force. The militants allegedly rammed a suicide car bomb into the base. Residents near the base in the central town of Haglan say they heard a huge explosion and then heavy exchanges of gunfire shortly before dawn. There has been no immediate comment from the African Union Amisom force. Suspected Ugandan rebels have kidnapped about 100 people during an attack in the troubled northeastern Democratic Republic of Congo. Lieutenant Colonel Martin Amuzo Kujo, spokesperson for the UN Stabilization Mission in the DRC, says members of the Lord's Resistance Army abducted the civilians during an assault on two villages during the attack in Basulev province on Saturday. He says rebels also went on a looting spree across the volatile region. The terrorist group ISIL or Daesh has yet to be strategically or irreversibly weakened despite its recent military setbacks. That's the view of Undersecretary General for Political Affairs Jeffrey Feltman in a briefing to the UN Security Council. Remarking on the later Secretary General's report on the threat posed by Daesh, he said the so-called caliphate was under financial pressure. He says its recent military setbacks could be one factor behind the notably increase in the number of foreign terrorist fighters returning home. The South African Human Rights Commission says it's seeking to engage with political parties following the escalation of political killings in the build-up to the local government elections. The commission's concern comes after two ANC leaders in the KwaZulu-Natal's Moses Mabida region were attacked as they returned from a party meeting. One died and the other is recovering in hospital. The SAHRC's commissioner, Dr. Denny Titus, says they're concerned that the violence could negatively affect the forthcoming poll. We really would like to see what the outcomes will be when the task team that has been appointed after they finish their investigation. But at the moment, we are very concerned with, with the local elections and whether it will be free and fair, because now we are entering a climate of fear into the country. But from the side of the commission, we will speak to the police and we are issuing communications to the political parties. Political leadership has been very quiet. 
And finally, World Vision and UNICEF say child marriages in the Sedek region are a common phenomenon. The latest reports show that at least 7% of women in South Africa were married before they reached the age of 18. The Sedek Parliamentary Forum recently adopted a new model law on child marriages with the aim of eradicating the unions. Nia Ngore Mun Nazvo is the lawyer for the Sexual Reproductive Rights Program at the Southern African Litigation Centre. An estimated 70 million girls around the world are affected by child marriages. And 7 million of those child brides live in eastern Southern Africa. About 15 out of the 20 most affected countries in the world for child marriages are in Africa. And in SADC specifically, four of those countries uh, are in the SADC region. This model law really is, is a yardstick. It's a standard law which is what you would expect the laws of the different countries to be in relation to this subject. Recapping the top stories, Al-Shabaab militants killed 43 people in an attack on an Ethiopian base in Somalia. Suspected Ugandan rebels kidnap about 100 people in the Northeastern Democratic Republic of Congo and South African Human Rights Commission to engage with political parties following the escalation of political killings. This is Lira, South African Afro soul singer and songwriter. You're listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, celebrating 20 years of South African freedom and democracy. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Remember, you're listening to us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. Well, today on our program, we'll be looking at the issue of modern slavery. You know, when we look at slavery, sometimes we look at it as a historical event, as something that took place in the former past. But uh, today we're going to be looking at it from a perspective of what is modern slavery? What does it actually mean? And uh, we're going to be looking at a global slave index report which was released just recently last week and it was released by the global slavery index group and it says that india has the most slaves overall and mauritania has the highest percentage now walk free foundation which is another organization that uh, actually had a campaign that said that nearly 4.5 million world there's about 4.5 million uh, people worldwide who are now slaves large numbers that we're seeing here and the walk Foundation said it found evidence of slavery in 167 countries that surveyed. The report defines slaves as people subject to forced labor, debt bondage, trafficking, sexual exploitation for money, and forced or uh, servile marriage. The report says Africa and Asia face the biggest challenges in eradicating slavery while the practice is least prevalent in Europe. Now, to help us discuss this project, we joined on the line by Annalise Tennyson, who is from the National Freedom Network. Uh, thank you for joining us, Elise, on our program. 
Good morning and good morning to your listeners. Now, it's fascinating the fact that a lot of us don't see anything really connected to slavery and injustice currently. We think that slavery is a thing of the past. But uh, just to start the conversation with you, Annalise, what are we talking about when we're speaking about slavery? Yes, I think it's um, often um, a misconceived idea that slavery was something that was prevalent in the 18th century where um, a lot of the slaves were um, transported from Africa into Europe and to the Americas. But it's um, a very prevalent, um, in, uh, let's say, criminal industry in the world today. Um, the, the indication is that it's about a $32 billion industry um, where people are sold into some form of, of slavery and exploitation worldwide. So um, it is a lucrative business. Um, some people say that it's most probably the second biggest criminal um, industry in the world. Um, just of the drug-related um, um, industries. So, yes, it is very um, much a part of our society today, and mm. um, it's not something that we can um, um, neglect from. It's something that we need to look at and um, acknowledge that it does exist and start um, looking at um, creative ways where we can combat this reality in our world today. Mm. Now, let's look at this issue in terms of looking at how rife this uh, is, and especially looking at the fact that, uh, you know, on the African continent, we're seeing the numbers actually growing in terms of slavery, and it almost has a... Uh, kind of a face that we don't see in our streets. You know, we don't see people in chains. We don't see people in some form of oppression of some sort. So that's very interesting to see how rife is it, Annalise? Yes, I think um, what we what we see, um, especially looking at the report, is um, sexual exploitation remains the biggest um, source of human trafficking. So that is quite... Um, quite um, worrying that mm. still the biggest um, part of, of people being exploited in human trafficking is women. Um, the figures um, indicate about 80% of all uh, traffic victims is women. So I think it's firstly important that we realize that these things are not happening out in the open. Um, most of it is part of criminal networks and um, where people are, there's two ways that people are, um, um, hmm. let's say, end up in human trafficking. Firstly, um, they are either conceived into into it, so it is by deception. But we do also see that a lot of these victims end up by force. Hmm. So, like you said in your um, introduction, a lot of these people are in there because of forced labour. We look at countries like Uzbekistan where they still force about one and a half million people in their um, country annually to um, bring in their cotton harvest. And these people are not remunerated for their work. So they are working as slaves in that country. Mm. Well, let me move on to our other guest, Mr. Richard Otts. Thank you for also giving us your time. He's from the International Organization for Migration. Mr. Otts, thank you for giving us your time as well. 
A pleasure to be here, and thank you for making time for this important topic. Now, tell us a little bit about how does this look, this idea of slavery, especially from an international front. How bad and rife is it? We've been talking with Annalise about it, how it actually manifests itself. But how bad is it? I was just talking to Annalise around the fact that, you know, when you think of slavery, you think of movies like The Roots, you think of people in chains, you think necessarily black people. Uh, that's how we think of slavery in itself. But now it's manifest manifesting itself in different ways. Absolutely. No, I think it's, I think it's a very good point. Um, the, sl- the slavery that people typically tend to think of is indeed the, uh, the, the ones that we know from the 1700s and the 1800s. And, and slavery, of course, now is like a ban across, uh, across the globe. And we, we'd like to think that we've made progress in, in that respect, in, in banning slavery. Um, but, but actually, if you, if you look at the numbers, it is not supported by the numbers. We're not seeing ships of slaves in chains uh, arriving in Europe, in Turkey, in the West Indies, or in the, or in the Americas. Uh, and there's no large-scale slave markets, at least out in the open, um, as there used to be in, in, for example, Algeria or Nigeria or, or Ethiopia. So, like, initially, like, upon first glance, you would think that we're making progress, like we're, we're winning the fight against, against slavery. But, but if you actually look at the numbers, it, it is not the case. Uh, as, as is highlighted in the report, um, the, the current estimates in the number of slaves around the world is, 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 uh, it, it exceeds 40, uh, uh, 40 million. Uh, our numbers are, are slightly lower, but, but indeed um, we're, we're talking about several tens of millions of people that are currently living in conditions of slavery. And, and just to put this in perspective, that is more than in any point in history. Mm. And, and just, to, just, to, just to compare... In this, in, in like the highlights, uh, if, if I can even use that word, um, of, of the of the transatlantic slave trade, um, so between between what is it, uh, 1550s and like the mid 1800s, so in a period of 300 years, 13 million slaves were shipped to the Americas. So that is 13 million people in 300 years. Currently, we're talking about 45 million people living in conditions of slavery. So we're mm. actually not doing well at all. Mm. The, the, the situation that we're looking at and that we're experiencing at the moment is worse than in any point in history. And I think that in itself is, is, is terrifying. Mm. And in terms of just uh, the political will behind this, it's also interesting to see that uh, this is an issue that really we don't really speak about majorly. It's something that actually happens in the backdrop of our communities. I mean, I live in Joburg and... Uh, I can't say I understand what slavery is and I can't say where it is, but I know it's in just my background. And Elise, coming back to you, is there a political will behind this consequence of slavery? Uh, we know that it's right behind us and it's happening all around us, but it seems very hard to actually depict. And it seems like there's no political will to kind of illuminate the idea that these things are happening. Annelies? Um, I think it's firstly important for us to see that the, the index looked at three things. The first mm. thing was political will. Um, and you see countries, um, if we look at the report, 124 countries globally already have some form of, um, they have criminalized human trafficking in the world. So there is, um, globally, there is we can see an increase in a political role to make a difference. 
um, just another thing, we, 96 of those countries that was exposed to this Global Slavery Index have already got what they call national action plans. Mm. It just means that politically people are looking at this and they are um, either drawing up action plans or looking at things that they can do. And then 150 governments have provided some form of service. But I think if we're looking closer into South Africa, we've got what we call the TIP bill, the Trafficking in Person bill, that was um, commissioned last year in August by President Zuma. So firstly, I think we need to understand it's a very young bill. Um, mm. There is currently um, a case in uh, Cape Town courts where two Chinese traffickers are um, standing trial mm. on human trafficking, and we all in this um, are working in anti-human um, trafficking in the, um, or, uh, arena are looking very closely at that um, court case. Um, interesting just to note that the translator has not appeared in court three times. He just disappeared. So um, you can see that it's very difficult to get prosecutions on this. But I think once um, the political will is there and there is a law against human trafficking, if we look like at countries like Sweden where the Nordic, what they call the Nordic law, um, is um, implemented. So that makes the the purchase of sex an uh, offense. So the, the prostitutes are not the, the um, let's say, the, mm. the one on the wrong side of the law, but mm. actually the people buying sex. And Sweden, according to this report again, has come out as one of uh, the countries with the least amount of human trafficking. I think what we need to look at is that we have got the law. It is very young. It still needed to be tested in court extensively. But they, I won't say that there is no political law. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a law is only one one aspect. Um, if we look at the report, the, the, one of the things that they say is there must be a strong civil society. Mm-hmm. In other words, we need to throw this about human trafficking and the prevalence of it and how a normal citizen can actually make a difference in just knowing about it, knowing where your clothes are coming from, what food you eat, are you actually contributing towards mm. human trafficking and modern slavery? So we need to also throw this into society's um, face. Mm. They need to understand it's happening and they might be contributing towards it. Hmm. So if I could use the words of William Wilberforce to say, um, the way he um, was a big abolisher of the slave trade in the 18th century is he threw it into the conscience of everyday human beings. Hmm. That they realize that they are actually contributing towards this. Mm. Well, we have to take one more. We have to take a break, Annalise. Sorry to cut you off there. I have to take a quick break. That's Annalise Tennyson, who's the National Freedom Network uh, from the National Freedom Network. And also we've got uh, Richard Otts, who is from the International Organization for Migration. Hey, give us your thoughts. What do you think about the issue of uh, slavery in itself? Give us your thoughts. Remember, you can uh, tweet us at African Dialogue or you can email us at info at channelafrica.org. Just another reminder that if you listening to us on DSTV. We're on channel 802. That's channel 802. You can join us there. Hey, you're listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
always missing your favorite Channel Africa radio shows? Well, now you don't have to. We have a free catch-up service that allows you to listen to Channel Africa radio content from your cell phone, computer or tablet at your convenience. Visit www.channelafrica.co.za and click on Programs for a list of your favorite shows. Select what you want to hear. Click on Listen and enjoy Channel Africa Radio. It's as easy as that. Channel Africa Radio, the voice of the African Renaissance. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. We're on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to southern Africa. Well, today we're looking at modern slavery. How does it look like? We're looking at the latest report from the Global Slavery Index uh, that uh, really unpacks some of the dynamics here. So we're going to be looking at this issue and saying, really, what does it look like? We know slavery looks something completely different. You might be, it might be just next to you doorstep but also it's just conscientizing us as ordinary citizens on how it actually looks like and sometimes we still have the old uh, uh, colonial version of what slavery is but it shows itself and manifests it's in different uh, uh, ways we've got Annalise Tennyson who is the, from the uh, National Freedom Network as well as Richard Otts who's from the International Organization for Migration and uh, they both are joining us on the line just uh, coming to you Richard Otts on the issue of a political will. Do you agree with uh, Annalise? You know that speaking from a South African perspective that there has been some form of political will in regards of policy making. In, in, in terms of an international trend, are you seeing the same political will? Um, I would indeed agree. There is, um, we've seen quite a bit of progress in, in um, uh, first of all, the fact that the, uh, the, the, the PACATIP, the, the Prevention and Combating of Human Trafficking, in South Africa uh, Act, um, that it has been um, adopted and the implementation of that law has started. And there's, there's a, a, n- a number of things that, that I think still need to be um, um, strengthened before we can really say that, um, that the, um, the, the law is completely effective. Uh, the implementation of the law, even though it, ha- it has um, come into force, the implementation of the law still, still needs a bit of work uh, in terms of capacity building, mm. in terms of um, coordinating uh, or improving the exchange of information between the various agencies involved in, in counter-trafficking or, 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 or fighting slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially international data exchange, I think, is, uh, is something that still needs to improve a bit. And, and South Africa, I would say, is uh, certainly within the region one of the, one of the, one of the leading um, uh, countries when it comes to the political world. I, I think uh, good steps have been made, and I think South Africa does have the potential to uh, to, to, to lead, in, particularly in Southern Africa, uh, in the fight against, uh, against human trafficking. Mm. Um, but, but yes, and, um, the, the political will in neighboring countries is there, but the, the, the driving force that we, that we have seen in South Africa um, is not necessarily present in all of the countries in Southern Africa. Mm. We keep coming back to the issue of human trafficking. Why is this the case that we, we keep coming back to that particular form of um, uh, slavery in itself, um, uh, Richard? Because I'm interested in that dynamic itself, because sometimes people do get trafficked, but when they get to wherever they've been taken to, um, they are exploited in, in different forms. But why is the emphasis when it comes to modern slavery on uh, human trafficking? 
Um, well, human trafficking is one of the fields that we work in, and, and I think it's important to, to clarify some of the terminology. When mm-hmm. people often conflate smuggling with trafficking, and sure. that is, that is, it's not the same. Smuggling is basically it's a service that is procured by the migrants in order to, um, to, to, to get into another country, bypassing normal border controls or bypassing uh, administrative procedures. So the, the initiative uh, lies with the, with the migrants. Trafficking... Um, is, is basically the, the, the service um, that we're talking about is the sale of a human being, um, often across borders, but it can be internally as well. And the, the purpose of human trafficking is to, to sell a human being into slavery. Mm. And I think that is a key difference. So the, like the whole aspect of, of um, like the voluntary uh, approach to, to the process is... is uh, uh, it's, it's typically absent when it comes to human trafficking. You cannot agree to be exploited. Whereas with, with smuggling, it's a service for which people pay, and a, a pretty penny, I, I might add, um, in order to be um, to be brought into the country. And I think it's important to clarify these two concepts. Sure. Now, when it comes to human trafficking, um, the, the exploitation is an absolutely mm-hmm. essential part uh, of, of the trafficking process. Mm-hmm. And that is basically what amounts to uh, to slavery. So the trafficking, it, it's a broader concept. The exploitation to slavery is ultimately the, the goal, the objective, but there's a number of stages that precede the actual, uh, the actual exploitation, um, one of them being the deception um, or, or force. So people are uh, either deceived uh, or forced through a variety of means uh, in, in coming with a trafficker mm. to, uh, to the country of destination. And then the mobilization, which typically would be the second stage, uh, that can be internal as well as international. So trafficking does not need to be an international process. It can be within the country as well. Mm. We actually see that quite a bit. And then the exploitation is typically the third phase of the um, uh, of the trafficking process, and that is where the slavery actually happens. Mm. Very interesting indeed, those um, um, kind of breaking it down in, in that way, Richard. Coming back to you, Annalise, uh, I'm also interested in terms of who is can be victimized in, in this regard because sometimes some of us some some of us think we are actually uh, we exempt from being part of this process this disheartening process itself of being a human trafficked who can fall victim to this yeah um, i just want to add to what richard was saying now that sure go ahead um you know we we see that there is phases in human trafficking or these there's actually steps um, that one follow the other. And the best explanation that I normally give people is human trafficking or modern-day slavery is the exploitation of vulnerability. And people always think that people that are hungry or looking for work is vulnerable. Mm -hmm. But a young man looking for a job opportunity is also vulnerable. And I think that is something that we need to be conscious of that everybody in this world is vulnerable to something because we're all looking for a better, um, a better um, home environment, more security, um, a better job opportunity, um, better education for our children, for our better op- opportunities for our children. And all these things make us vulnerable. So human trafficking does not only um, focus, although we see prominently that it is women and children that are exploited. Um, I think it's also important to know that men are also vulnerable 
to land up in a compromised situation and end up as a modern-day slave or in a trafficking situation. So firstly, I would say that no one is exempted from it. Um, we um, do extensive awareness uh, across the country, and we kick people into some kind of good opportunity, mm. you know, a good life, a good opportunity. And we see people of all walks of life, um, you know, grabbing that or landing up in that compromised situation, falling for that trick. So I think it's important that we know that um, anyone in the whole in the globe can fall, but we do see some people are more vulnerable than others. But I won't say that this is only um, a certain part of the population in the world that can fall um, a victim to human trafficking. Mm-hmm. We need to all realize that we're all vulnerable. And that is important for us to when we evaluate our community. Sure. We can see in our communities what are our children vulnerable to. Mm. We see a lot of trafficking happening from the rural areas into towns. Mm. And the, the kids in the rural areas have this um, false idea that life is better in a town. Mm. And that makes them vulnerable. So mm. when the human trafficker comes there and um, gives them this opportunity for a better education in town or a job opportunity, they grab it because they think life is better in town. A lot of people, um, our youth in this country, think there's better opportunities in Europe and in America. And they they go for opportunities abroad because they think life is better there, but that makes them vulnerable. So I think that's where we as NGOs and as government need to look closer to what it is that makes our communities vulnerable and identify those things and address those things. And I think, first of all, it's the knowledge of human trafficking existing hmm. and empowering children, especially our youth, to make better choices. Hmm. And the only way you can make a better choice is if you have the knowledge of the fact that human trafficking exists and um, to ask questions, hmm. to, um, to investigate what it is that you're actually signing up for. Hmm. Definitely. Actually, not compromising yourself. Definitely. I'm going to take a quick break and we'll come back for the signs. And you highlighted them briefly there, Annalise, on what to look out for. And I just want to get a little bit practical here because, as was highlighted by Richard and yourself, is that anyone can be vulnerable to this issue of modern slavery. So, you know, what characterizes a human trafficker, for instance? What are the signs that you should be looking out for if you could find yourself in, in this situation? Hey, what are your thoughts if you listening to us remember you can email us at info at channelafrica.org that's info at channelafrica.org and also you can tweet us at uh, african dialogue that's at african dialogue remember you're listening to us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to southern africa and if you're listening to us uh, online it's on www.channelafrica.co.za our channel has also changed on dstv we're no longer on 902 we're on 802 so i'll be announcing that couple of times during our program so that we all get with the program that's channel 802 that's where we are on the dstv audio bouquet it's 11 30 central african time let's take a break good news for listeners in america you can now listen to channel africa by phoning 605-47-1711 so If you're a Channel Africa listener in America, 
simply dial 605-47-1711. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. You're listening to us on uh, uh, Channel 802 on DSTV. We've made that migration to uh, 802 from 902. Today, we're speaking about modern slavery. How does it look like today? We know that the numbers are increasing because it has a different face today, as we heard from both our guests, who is Annalise Tennyson from the National Freedom Network and Richard Arts, who's from the International Organization for My. Migration. Now, before I look at, uh, you know, what I was asking before the break, the issue, how, what characterizes a human trafficker, I want to go back to the issue that was hi- highlighted by Annalise, which was the issue of urbanization and how people are also migrating to different parts of the world because of the issue of uh, work and uh, people are trying to aspire to a different life, uh, maybe better income. Uh, Richard, in terms of urbanization, uh, as we seeing cities growing we're seeing that's where people are aspiring to go to for job purposes to increase their livelihoods and how has urbanization also contributed uh, to this issue of uh, slavery richard that's for you richard are you still there with us not sure if richard is there uh, annalise are you there Yes, I am for you. Oh, fantastic. Let me see if Richard is there. Richard, are you there? Okay, okay. We've gotten a problem there with Richard's number. I can see he's there. Uh, The number is still there, but I'm not sure if we actually get. But we'll come back to that issue because I think he would give us an explanation on in regards of just the idea of how you know, urbanization has contributed, especially from a migration perspective. But let's come to this characterization of the trafficker in Elise. Uh, how do you actually distinguish, with, no, this is actually something that I shouldn't get in, getting myself into. If something feels wrong about this, how do we know that we're in a situation that is compromising? Yeah, the easiest way that we explain it when we do, do awareness campaigns um, around schools and youth groups and um, um, concerned citizens, is we firstly say to them, if someone comes to you and offers you an opportunity that is too good to be true, you need to see um, red lights, warning lights going on. Mm. Um, we often see children being um, lured into this because they um, leave school and they're looking for better, they're looking for job opportunities and um, they get um, um, an offer where they get a very good salary without having the right education or the right experience. Um, and that's your first, uh, let's say, red light. The other thing we see is things that we need to look at is you need to know your rights as a citizen. You mm. need to know what what is it that I am... Um, Allowed to, what is my right that I can stand on? For instance, if someone offers me a job, I need to see a contract. Um, I can ask for references. Um, I can ask for uh, websites where I can actually um, see if this, country, um, this company is legitimate. Is this what they're offering me legitimate? Um, the second thing is we need to know what procedures um, 
applies according to our personal documentation. For instance, no one can apply for you for a visa. Uh, many people, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we see a lot of these things happening where people actually offer people opportunities and they say, we will take care of everything. Mm-hmm. We will take care of the visa. We will take care of your passport. Any things that you as a person can do and only you can do. No one can do it on your, can do an application of a visa on your behalf. So if you see things like this happening, you need to see red lights as well. And then also, um, your personal documentation needs to stay on your person um, all the time. No one is allowed to cross a border, a border on behalf of you. In other words, taking your documentation of you as a, on a person, of your as a as a person, and doing it on your behalf. That is something that um, that we need to also make our youth aware of, and, and people traveling abroad that. Um, we need to um, uphold the law and respect the sovereignty of other countries as well mm-hmm. because that will make crossing borders more difficult. And I think what also needs to um, happen is we need to explore opportunities in our own country. We are a developing country in South Africa and for Africa um, as a whole, and there's many opportunities um, that people need to be creative about and a lot of development that needs to be done. Um, and we need to keep the skills that are trained in this country so that we can develop this country. Mm-hmm. Well, let, let me see if Richard is there on the line. I'm told that he's there. Richard, are you back with us? Richard, are you there with us? Yeah, I'm here. All right, fantastic, Richard. Okay. Um I was asking that question because um, uh, we wanted to know really from you in terms of the issue of urbanization. What interests me is the fact that urbanization seems to also house this kind of uh, human trafficking culture, whereby because people want to migrate to better cities for economical re- economic reasons, it seems that uh, uh, you know they become kind of the hub for where these things are taking place. Just uh, take us a little bit through that specific dynamic. Dynamic. Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely true. We, uh, a lot of the, um, a lot of the urbanization, a lot of the human trafficking is associated with human trafficking. Uh, people do come towards the urban centers in, uh, in, in hope, um, uh, in the hope to find uh, job opportunities. And like Annalise was saying before, this creates a, um, um, a, a vulnerability. Uh, people urgently need a job. They come to the city where they don't know anyone, so they're basically. Uh, like a fish out of water, they're not in their in their familiar surroundings. In some cases, if people have crossed international borders, they may even have crossed uh, language borders, so they may not be familiar um, with the with the predominant language that is spoken in the cities, mm-hmm. and that all increases the vulnerability of these um, of the people. And, and then they have bills to pay. Ultimately, they need to sleep somewhere. They need eat. They need to eat. Uh, they may have uh, they may have medical expenses to, uh, uh, to to pay, and that all adds to the uh, to the vulnerability. Those kind of things are what, what traffickers are typically looking for, and and this is what I was referring uh, to before. So deception is one of the one of the one of the means that they use to uh, uh, to to to, uh, to get people uh, in, into the trafficking system. But another one is the is the force, and that could be that could be debt. Um, so they they, uh, they they lend people money and then they expect people to um, to to work for them for a period of time and then the the debt keeps increasing because of of various reasons um, that people have to pay for accommodation 
that is provided by the trafficker and and, and the, the the rates that are being charged could be mm-hmm. exorbitant. So actually, mm-hmm. they never catch up to uh, to the debt that they're supposed to to pay. Sure. Especially then, if their passports or identity papers are taken, they have nowhere to go. They have no other option. And we've dealt with a number of of cases like this, where we were notified um, of, um, of of individual cases of trafficking people that were basically held captive in uh, in a particular location, um, and and then uh, with nowhere to go. And, and then we, um, fortunately, in some of the cases, were able to coordinate uh, or help coordinate their, mm. their, uh, their, their escape from those locations in cooperation with the police or law enforcement agencies. Mm. But absolutely, um, um, the, the phenomena of urbanization and trafficking, uh, there's a link between the two, but it is not exclusive. Uh, some of the um, tra- trafficking or human, slave, uh, human, sla- human trafficking or slavery happens also in the, in the, uh, in the rural areas, particularly in the agricultural industry, um, we have seen examples where people um, were basically forced to work for no money at all or for a pittance and not having any freedom to um, to leave or to um, uh, to, uh, to return to the country of origin. Mm. So it is not exclusively uh, sure. associated with uh, with, the, with, the, with the rural uh, with the urban settings. Well, thank you for that clarification, because that is true, especially on the continent of Africa. We see that dynamic coming through. But we have only a few minutes left, and this is an interesting conversation, because I want to know that one can, what can one do if they find themselves in that situation? Is there any way that they can navigate themselves out of it to get some help, Annalise? Um, yes. Um, let's start with um, just in South Africa. Um, we have a toll-free number. Um, it will be very good if Africa FM puts it on their website. Um, I will say the number. Um, it's 0800-555-999. That is the um, number we use in South Africa to report um, human trafficking and modern-day slavery. Um, and that's where normal citizens can come in and report cases that they, if they suspect something happening in their neighborhood or mm. um, if they suspect that someone that they know might be trapped or might be um, lured into um, a possible um, human trafficking situation, they can report that. Um, uh, we have seen um, with organizations like Lawless working with awareness and these toll-free numbers that they can actually um, compile this information into reports and they see trends. And it makes um, the intel on this um, industry better, um, better arrests can be made by the um, authorities and um, criminal cases can actually be prosecuted more effectively. Mm. And I think people, secondly, people need to educate themselves regarding human trafficking and monetary slavery. Um, we see that in Europe a lot of um, um, strides are being done with um, what they call fair trade, where products are actually certified that they are being produced by an industry that was um, investigated and it's labeled as a fair trade industry. That means that people are being mm. paid a fair amount of a wage for their, for their work. Um, and we in, Afri- in South Africa, especially Africa, need to make big strides on this. Normal citizens need to become aware that they are actually contributing towards this industry with the products they buy, and that the um, the power is actually in their hands to mm. decide where their money is going. Mm-hmm. Well, I will throw it right back at your listeners. Mm-hmm. 
Well, let me also give Richard Otz a chance there, Annalise, and, and, and ask him, you know, how can also someone who's a victim navigate themselves? Maybe there's something additional that you want to add there, Richard. I've got two minutes left for you. Okay, no, I think the awareness is absolutely key. And, sure. and um, thanks, to, thanks to this broadcast and thanks to the time that you're allocating to this, I hope we're contributing to, to that as well. Just for people to be aware that uh, if an offer that you're getting is, seems too good to be true, it usually is. Um, if you have no education, no working experience um, to work uh, to work as a, a, a um, as a model, um, then the offer that you're getting to be uh, to become a top model um, is, is quite likely uh, uh, something that may mm. lead to exploitation. Mm. So be very careful and also look at the conditions under which um, these these offers are being extended to you. Um, so the information, the awareness campaign is very important. Um, and many of the, re- the reports that we're getting on people that may have been um, uh, that may have formed traffic to, uh, victim to trafficking do not come from the victims themselves, but actually come from the people people around them um, because of the isolation that is typically part of the of the exploitation. Uh, people themselves may not be able to uh, to report to law enforcement agencies, but it is often the people around them. That, that may see something, uh, that may find something suspicious, mm-hmm. and then they report it to the police. So mm-hmm. uh, we, don't, we, don't, we should not wait for the victims themselves to report, uh, but also have a look around. And if you see something suspicious, if you see um, someone who's out of place, without social contacts, and, and without the liberty to move about, um, please do not uh, notify the law enforcement agencies and see if they can uh, investigate the matter. Well, thank you so much, Richard, for giving us your time. This was a very helpful show, and I th- hope that it does help our listeners out there. And I think we've just lost Richard or Annalise there, but that was Richard Arts, who's from the International Organization for Migration. Thank you as well to Annalise Tennyson, who is from the National Freedom Network. Thank you both for giving us your time. What are your thoughts around this? I found this very informative and helpful as well. Maybe you want to give us your thoughts on this issue. You Remember, you can email us on info at Channel Africa. That's info at channelafrica.org. Or you can tweet us at African Dialogue. That's at African Dialogue. Hey, it's 11.45 Central African time. Let's uh, quickly move on and get our business news. Good morning. Thanks, Benjamin. A South African presidency advanced team has arrived in Lesotho capital, Maseru, ahead of President Jacob Zuma's visit to the country. The president will hold the last consultations on the Southern African Customs Union with Lesotho Prime Minister Pagadita Musisidi. Lesotho and South Africa form part of the five-member custom bloc, which was founded in 1910, which includes Botswana, Swaziland and Namibia. Ntakawa Nangatana reports. It is all systems go in Maseru. The president will pay a courtesy call on the country's King the Third and proceed to meet Prime Minister Musisidi and his cabinet. Trade Minister Rob Davies said before he left South Africa yesterday that Saku hasn't used any of the pool money over the years for projects that have a cross-border dimension to promote regional integration in any way, and that has to change. Davies says they will also look at the tariff-setting regime in Saku. 
And South Africa's Mineral Resources Minister Mseben Zizwana is expected to visit the Northern Platinum Zonde Rainde Mine in Limpopo on Thursday following a conflict between two rival unions, NUM and AMCU. Workers belonging to NUM, which is the major union in the mine, have vowed not to resume their duties until arrests are made for a spate of murders. NUM also says Northern should stop holding talks with the rival uh, AMCU. NUM Deputy President Joseph Munziyetzi. Of all the cases of uh, six members, that was members of NUM that have been killed, no one has been sentenced uh, by any court in this country. All of them, they, there's level of evidence. So uh, we, we are exhausted. We don't know what to do. But we have uh, taken a position as the organization. Uh, we have written a letter to the minister of the police. We want all those cases. All those, we want to be a commission of inquiry about in another development, the economy contracted more than expected in the first quarter of the year. Data released by Statistics South Africa puts South Africa on the track for its first recession in seven years. The data led uh, to the weakening of the rent against the U.S. dollar until the local currency took some strength from news that Fitch had affirmed South Africa's investment-grade credit rating. Economic output fell by 1.2% in the first quarter of 2016 after rising by a revised 0.4% in the three months to September, rather to December. This was mainly due to an 18% slide in the mining sector. And Egypt's annual uh, urban consumer price inflation has jumped to 12.3% in May from 10.3% in April. The central bank devalued the pound in March by around 13% and then hiked interest rates by 150 basis points at its MPC meeting on March 17th to curb inflationary pressures. And Uber Technologies started the ride-hailing service in Accra, the capital of Ghana, on Wednesday, adding a fifth sub-Saharan African country to its global network. Accra is the eighth sub-Saharan African city to get the Uber service and follows the introduction of operations in Uganda's Kampala last week. The U.S. company will also start in Tanzania later this month. Uber, which allows uh, passengers to summon cars using a smartphone application, now has a presence in 467 cities across the world. Financial indicators, uh, the dollar trading at 14.76 South African rand at 10.75 Botswana Pula, 10.51 against the Zambian Kwacha, also at 0.68 to the British pound and 0.88 against the euro. Commodities, uh, platinum $1,000.05 and gold at $1,262 per fine ounce. Brand crude oil $52.70 per barrel. That's how it's looking right now. Hey, now let's get our news uh, from uh, uh, Musibudi Makura. That's our sports news.
Thank you, Benjamin. Good day. Sports fans, Nike is standing by tennis star Maria Sharapova even after she was supposed to, or rather suspended for two years for using a banned substance. The sportswear giant, which had previously put its relationship with the athlete on hold, highlighted that an investigation by the International Tennis Federation found that she did not intentionally break its rules, Nike said in a statement. Nike and automaker Porsche suspended their suspension deals with Sharapova in March after she first announced that she had failed a drug test at the Australian Open. But sports equipment uh, company head stuck with her, saying it believes she made an honest mistake. Another sponsor, the Swiss watch brand Tag Heuer, halted negotiations in March over renewing a sponsorship deal with Sharapova. On Thursday, CEO Jean-Claude Beve said that given the two-year suspension, they are not in a hurry anymore to sign a new contract anytime soon. Sharapova tested positive for melodonium, an active ingredient in a medication she had been taking for the last decade. The chemical was added to the RTF's banned substances list in January, and Sharapova has maintained that she wasn't aware of the change. On to football news, Africa has lost one of its greatest football minds in Stephen Keshi, says his friend Kalusha Bwaliam. Keshi, one of the only two men to have won the Africa Cup of Nations uh, Cup, both as a player and a coach, died of a heart attack on Wednesday morning. He was 54 years old. Football Association of Zambia President Kalusha Bwalia has paid tribute to Keshi, saying he was a man with a big heart. Yeah, it's um, the Sunday for African football. You know, and I, I just thought I would want also to add my words uh, on Stephen Keshi. Uh, he was like a brother to me, a guy that uh, we started almost uh, in all our careers, took off almost at the same time in Belgium in the 1985, 1986. It's a long time ago, um, you know. So uh, Keshi was, um, was a shining example. Uh, of dedication to football, in my opinion, he was a, a big man, uh, big heart. Keshi, nicknamed the big boss, was en route to coach in South Africa. His agent, Tim Sugazi, says he had no doubt that Keshi was going to coach in the Premier Soccer League come the 2016-2017 season. Called high-profile teams in as much as you can. If it doesn't work out, we are here, you mm-hmm. know. So I would, I would still want to maintain that. So in so far as Orlando Pirate is concerned, I came again very clearly. I think uh, you know all that was reported in Nigeria, you know, was not true. Was far away from the truth. Uh, it was one of those irresponsible journalism. In so far as I'm concerned, you know, because we had not spoken to pirates. But then you know you're in this business. Mm-hmm. People put one and one together, and they start expressing their wish through the media. You know. We have seen it too many times and that puts clubs under pressure you know and again Orlando Pirates had, had not come out to say they've got a vacancy in the coaching position but if you were to ask me now if Stephen would have been interested in, in coaching Pirates the answer is a big yes certainly because you know he is a high caliber coach high profile coach and Pirates I've said it he's a club with rich history Still on football news, the Ghana Football Association has received a letter of apology from Salim Montari over his indefinite suspension from the Black Stars. The Saudi Arabia-based apologized for um, actions at the 2014 FIFA World Cup in Brazil, which led to his indefinite suspension from the senior national team. The midfielder was handed an indefinite ban for an unprovoked physical attack on the Black Stars management Mo- uh, management staff Moses Arua at a tournament, or rather at the tournament in Brazil.
North Swimming News: Four South African swimmers picked up medals at day one of the Mother no- of the Mara Nostrum in France on Wednesday evening. The South African medalist occupants included Olympic winner, Olympian mother winner Chad Leclerc, Cameron van der Berg, as well as Miles Brown. Leclerc won the 100-meter butterfly in a time of 51.56 seconds. Cameron van der Berg came second behind Brazilian Felipe Franca da Silva in the 100-meter breaststroke, a race where he holds the Olympian record in a time of 1 minute and 26 seconds. Brown had the busiest day on day one of the Mother Nostrum as he claimed silver in the 200 meter freestyle as well as in the 400 meter freestyle final the south african finished or the south african swimmer rather finished second in the 400 meter in the 200 meter final in the evening he came out um, second in a time of one minute and 47 seconds the maranostrum um, tournament finishes on thursday before moving to barcelona which gets underway on saturday and finally, Netball News is nine days to go before the start of the Spa Netball Challenge, putting South Africa and Wales getting underway at the Inkosi Albert Latuli International Convention Centre in Durban in the KwaZulu Natal province um, from the 17th to the 19th of June. South Africa's national netball team captain Mareka Hortenhausen says they have been preparing well and believes they have the upper hand over their opponents. I think we definitely hold an upper hand if you look at in history. But sport is a funny thing, and we're going to have to really pitch up on the day and give it our best if we if we want to stay and keep the upper hand. And um, they say it's easier to be the the underdog than be the one that's trying to stay on, out on top. So Wales will definitely be coming out um, to get their first win against us, and it's now in our the ball's in our court to make sure that that doesn't happen. So we're just going to go out there and just play, hopefully play beautiful, great netball. Those high sports news at the hour. Stay tuned to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Well, that's how we wrap up today's program. Thank you for joining us this week. I think we had a very, very interesting, very diverse news package today here on African Dialogue. What are your thoughts around modern slavery? We want to hear, maybe you've had some experiences, know someone who's had an experience of modern slavery, human trafficking. Give us your thoughts. Remember, you can email us at info at channelafrica.org or you can actually tweet us at African Dialogue. Hey, that is our Twitter handle, at African Dialogue. Dialogue. And also we have another Twitter handle for Channel Africa. We've got one title at Channel Africa One. It's the numeric one at the end. That's the numeric one at the end. That's at Channel Africa One. But for me, Benjamin Mushatama, remember that I won't be with you tomorrow because uh, Channel Africa's uh, African Dialogue only comes to you from Monday to Thursday. So we'll be back next week, Monday, to give you the latest dialogues and conversations on what's happening here on the continent of Africa. For me, Benjamin Mushatama, until next time, God bless.